0: You're listening to the Serial at Midnight podcast. Hello and welcome to the Serial at Midnight podcast. My name is Heath Holland, and this is a major, major episode for me because I am talking to a living legend. In this podcast, we're sitting down with Donald M. Morgan, the cinematographer behind so many movies that you know and love. Uh, He's a multiple Emmy award winner. So many awards, so many great films. Uh, John Carpenter worked with John Carpenter on multiple films. So the Elvis biopic in the 1979 with John Carpenter with Kurt Russell. I worked on that film. He worked on Christine. He's the cinematographer of Christine. How many of us love this movie? It is the quintessential evil car movie it's it's, it's an amazing film and it is shot so beautifully Uh, we talk about that in this in this interview starman he also worked with Kurt Russell on used cars this is a man who met Elvis he met Walt Disney he was born in Hollywood he was a rodeo rider a race car driver a life so packed with events and connections with people and stories and you see these stories are so close to the surface let me tell you how this happened. So I was able to well, there's a new documentary. The documentary is called Cinematographer. I'm holding this up if you're watching the video version on YouTube. Um, the cinematographer is directed by Dan Asma. and uh, it's the story of cinematography, the importance of cinematography, which is an under it's it's an unsung area of filmmaking. I feel like, you know we love we love directors and we love stars. We talk about these things, but, the cinematographer is such a vital part of the team, the the filmmaking team. But sometimes we don't talk enough about that. This is a documentary that really seeks to uh, point out the importance, you know, to 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 show the impact of a cinematographer, but also to tell the story of cinematographers, especially Donald M. Morgan, who is a man's man who has done so much to not only. Uh, aside from his interesting career, just what he's done for other people, the kindness. I'm going to tell you guys this too. So there's stories that came up. I cut about 30 minutes out of this interview because it was meant to be off the record. But a lot of these stories that I had to cut are in the documentary. So if you want, if you like this conversation and you're like, well, what, what's he talking about that didn't get put in the final interview? Uh, a lot of it is in this documentary. It is so well done. Kudos to Dan Asma for telling an incredible story about incredible people and incredible man. Uh, And it's Dan that kind of set this whole thing up. So Dan is here in this interview. I'm talking to Dan Asma, who was there sitting next to Donald M. Morgan. So this is just like this is a bucket list for me, you guys. This is such a such an honor, and to have Mr. Morgan here and to be so sharp. He's 90 years old. Okay, so. Uh, you will see my respect for him. I only address him as Mr. Morgan because he's that respect is earned, I, I tell you. I have nothing but uh, admiration for Mr. Morgan, and I'm so grateful for him to just sit down and talk to me about his life and about his experiences. could have talked to him for eight hours. Maybe we'll get a chance to do it again one of these days. But uh, I don't want to take too much time with this introduction, so I'm going to go ahead and cut to the interview. Director Dan Asma and cinematographer Donald M. Morgan. Well, let me, Mr. Morgan, what do you think about the documentary? <laughs>
1: what do I think about the documentary? I, I think he did a hell of a job myself. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little more of me in there. but uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dan, was there, so were there things that got left on the cutting room floor? I, I imagine this was a pretty hard one to edit because you've got all these legends and these great stories and you've got to streamline it into this narrative. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I mean it was it was yeah, there's a lot that ended up on the on the cutting room floor, we'll say, so to say, so to speak. Um and I think a lot of that was just these these incredible stories about Don's career mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and and actually a lot of them coming from Don himself. I mean, what's great about Don is he's got such he's got such a great memory and he's had such a, uh, you know, um such an incredible kind of history uh working on these films that yeah, you could just go, you could just put the camera on and and let him roll. And about like eight hours later, like the the camera battery will die and Don will still be talking. But I mean, honestly, a a lot there were there were great stories. It was just a matter of figuring out what was the kind of what what I I, I hope would be kind of considering the considered the most important stories, not only for film students, you know, but also kind of fans of these movies and fans of cinematography. And that that was the goal to figure out what were what were the best stories to be able to keep. Um, and, then, uh, and then maybe do a sequel later with, uh, with the other stories that we have.
0: Well, it's a, it's, it's, it is so much of Mr. Morgan's story. And what, the thing that was interesting to me that I learned through the documentary is that, Mr. Morgan, you didn't necessarily set out to be a cinematographer. You didn't have this great love of movies. You wanted to be, you know, race car driver or a, a boxer or something like that.
1: I, I, uh, when I was really young, you got to remember, I was born in Hollywood, California, so I wanted to be a, a bronc rider in the rodeos. So uh, <laughs> there's not too many Hollywood. Uh, there, they might be on tele or television or the big screen, but not too many real cowboys. But I I loved horses when I was young, and I just uh, I just was crazy about riding, and when I. A couple times I went to rodeos. I thought that's what I want to do. So I always pick stuff I failed at. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and uh, I, uh, after many years of getting hurt and banged up and the crap kicked out of me, I decided maybe I ought to do something more sane, like be a race car driver. <laughs> so then I, uh, I uh, sold my wife's car and bought an old race car. And uh, when I say old, that, that automatically shows you where I finished and everything, you know? So uh, my son used to say, that's my dad leading the winner of the race, <laughs> which means you're being lapped. <laughs> <laughs> I I tried to get him not to tell that story too often, but it uh, got a lot of laughs. <clears throat> but anyway, I flipped a race car back East, all the way down the back chute, went over a guy's wheel. And, uh, you know, just one thing after another, banging myself up. And uh, the the reason I got into cinematography is that uh, a friend of mine said, what are you doing now? And I said, I don't have a job right now. And he said, you know, you're always looking for excitement. I've got a friend that, has a helicopter mount and he does helicopter work. How would you like to uh, maybe talk to him? Maybe you could be his assistant or something. And I had already worked in film labs and um, done a little, I did some animation. My dad was an animation cameraman and I did some animation for a while and I didn't like any of that stuff. So uh, I went over and met with this guy who's, The name is Nelson Tyler, and uh, he built a thing called the Tyler Mount that was very, very sophisticated. And uh, when I met him, he said, you and I used to play together when we were five and six years old. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah, your dad and my dad worked together. And uh, (laughs) so we had a little bonding right away, and he gave me a chance to be his assistant. And that's how I got into aerial photography. And I really never thought that I would uh, get into lighting and doing all that stuff. I just thought I'd hang out of a helicopter because it was exciting and what I like to do. Am I telling you too much?
0: No, you're telling me this is great. I just want to listen. <laughs>
2: no
0: know, such thing.
2: There, I was going to say, Heath, there was one thing. I had read a, a review about the documentary that did say the one thing they felt like there was missing was Don's um uh that Don's father was kind of a Disney animating uh, uh cameraman do you think it'd be good for him to talk about that
0: um I'd love it? to hear about it yeah
2: yeah maybe you could share that
1: yeah my my dad um my dad was an animation cameraman at Disney he started in film labs and that's where I started he got me a job through some connections in a film lab and
3: uh I um, I didn't do very well. In other words, I got fired a lot. Uh, it just was too
1: boring to me to sit in the dark room doing that. So then he uh, he went out on the limb again and and uh, helped me get a job. Or actually, I knew a connection that knew my dad, and I told the guy that I I would really like to be an animation cameraman, which is as boring as being in a lab film lab it's just you just sit there and do one shot you do 50 little moves and then click a camera once and then start all over again and that's never been my style i i like excitement and uh uh, when i got to hanging out with uh, nelson tyler doing aerial stuff i realized that i wanted to be a cameraman hanging out of that chopper instead of him so I I hustled a couple of jobs on my own uh, that didn't pay much, but wanted somebody to do something cheap. And I knew how all of, you know, you zoomed in, you zoomed out, and you focused with these and uh, you 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 sat on a thing that called the munge mount and it took the vibration out of the helicopter. So it was really sophisticated and really a, a, a really nice thing. And he used to let me ride out to from the helicopter port uh, to to the job. He'd meet me there. So I was always playing around. I always had the pilot, hey, follow that car and they knew I wanted to be a cameraman. So uh, I got pretty, pretty fair at it. And then I got a chance to shoot something. And uh, the guy liked it. and uh, Then Tyler couldn't show up for a job one time, a big job. And the the helicopter pilot said, I don't have a cameraman now. And I said, yes, you do, you got me. And he said, no, no, I'm not taking a chance on you. And I said, you and I do this every day. You just put me where you want me and I'll I'll turn the camera on and we'll get what we get. So he took me up for a big job up in um, the mountains it was snowing up there or it had snowed and it was beautiful contrast, you know, between the bright looking car and all that. So they loved what I did and I showed it to Nelson and he said, you're not supposed to have the car push the frame line. (laughs) You let, you know, give it a little bit of a lead. And so he gave me some tips and, you know, then I started shooting. So, um, There's big chunks of that missing, but that's, that's the, the theme.
0: Did you, when you were young, did you ever get to meet Walt Disney? I did. How Uh, was he?
3: Well, I I only met him once. Uh, My dad
1: worked at Disney. He, he started out at, at the studio over on Hyperion. That was the old, old Disney in fact, they still have part of it in the new Disney. When you go through there, they have a, a room or two. I forget how much they kept of it, but it's the old studio. And uh, my uh, my dad had a motorcycle, and we lived at the beach. And he brought me out to Burbank to the new studio, and he parked, parked out in the parking lot, and we got off the, the motorcycle. And Disney was just getting into his car. And he said, hi, Max, to my dad. My dad's name was Max. And uh, he came over. And uh, my dad said, uh, Walt, this is my son, Don. And he patted me on the head and said, hello, little Max. And uh, he never called me Don, but hello, little Max. And I've never forgotten that. Wow. So I did meet him and that was the only time.
0: Okay. You've met a lot of people. That's something that comes up in the, in the documentary. And I was just like, man, the, the stories, you met Elvis at a time when he was, you know, I, I, was it stay away Joe that you were uh what yeah. was the film that, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about meeting Elvis? Cause this is an area, this is a period, you know, Elvis was hard to get to. People may have seen him on stage, you know, when he returned to performing, but to get close to get inside that mafia, the Memphis Mafia, you know, what was that like for you?
1: Well, you know, I don't even know that it impressed me that much at the time. i i I cherish the thought of it now because, uh, you know, I did a movie called Elvis with uh, uh, Kurt Russell Kurt Russell, and uh, till this new one came out, it was the best Elvis that I think was ever made.
0: I yeah. think it still is, in my yeah, opinion. I do
2: too. I agree. I yeah. agree. I'm not that much a fan of the new one, but I do. I the good. Kurt Russell one is amazing. Sorry, go ahead, Don.
0: Well,
1: it, the Kurt Russell one showed more with the dad and the, you know some of the yeah. the the real life stuff. And uh, um, but anyway, we went over to do some aerial stuff that had nothing to do with with Elvis. Just some aerial. I forget even what the shot was, but they hired Nelson and I was the assistant. So when I got there, the cameraman said, could you stay a few days? We need, we need uh, somebody to slate. They, They were a second assistant. They were shy one guy. And I asked Nelson, I said, we got anything going? And he said, no, hang around. It'll be good experience for you. So I, I stayed there and I think the most memorable thing that happened while I was there was I did a, uh, I was sitting in Elvis's, the car they drove him in, wasn't his car, but the car they drove him back and forth in. I was sitting in that car waiting for something to do and they were off busy and the Elvis bunch, some of the guys and Elvis came over and got in the car while I was still in there and they're playing grab ass and having a good time and kidding each other, you know? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, <laughs> Elvis Presley and Don Morgan? Yeah, what do you think? So it was pretty exciting.
3: I I actually, um, one time Barbara Streisand's uh, agent
1: asked if, asked Nelson if he had anybody that could go over to,
3: uh, to Las Vegas and shoot the sign of uh, of him appearing
1: and pull back and show the town, just a real quick shot. And uh, it was a little too mediocre for Nelson to do it. So he said, would you like to do it? And I said, oh yeah. So when I went over there, they had the Elvis sign up there. And we were supposed to have Barbara Streisand on there, so uh, they said, "Don't worry about it. We're going to change it, uh, but we have to wait till later on at night. Uh, you know, we still need to show that Elvis is still here." So anyway, I waited around, and um, they uh, they said, "Do you like Elvis?" And I said, yeah, you know, and I told the guy, I, I thought it would impress him that I'd worked with Elvis, you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we were like this. Yeah, you know?
3: right.
2: He yeah. was <laughs> in your car.
1: <laughs> yeah, Elvis uh, jumped in my car and he messed around. <laughs> anyway, uh, he said, would you like to come back and see, maybe bring your wife or whoever and see Elvis on stage, uh, uh, his act? And I said, Yeah. He said, well, I'll give you front row seats. So on his comeback tour, I was in the front row saying that. So that was also exciting.
0: Wow. Wow. That's great. You worked with, so Kurt Russell came up and I wanted, you've worked with Kurt Russell several times. I have a lot of admiration for him as well, but I was wondering if you could share your, uh, maybe some memories or some stories about working with, you know, maybe starting with Elvis, there's a good transition to, to Elvis working on that project with Kurt Russell.
1: Well, I will tell you, Kurt, Kurt Russell, and his father was in that. His father, his real father, was uh, Presley's dad in the movie that I did.
3: Is that right? Yeah. Oh, so,
1: I so I I worked with the dad and and uh, Kurt, and uh, I really had a good time with Kurt. He's a very friendly, easygoing guy, and and. He didn't have too big a head, and uh, you know we had a we had a good time. And he even asked me to go hunting with him one time, which I I turned down. Uh, He's a hunter. Yeah, oh, he he he, lo- he loved to hunt, but uh, huh. I've just never been a fan of sneaking up on something and blowing its head off unless it was
2: a real person, you know. <laughs> so Heath, you know that. So it's not in the documentary, but there's there's an interview where Don talks about. The first movie he worked on with Kurt Russell was a movie called Amber Waves. Have you ever seen that movie?
0: I've not seen that. No,
2: that's a, it's a, I I can't remember. I've seen it a long time ago and I don't, I don't know if I remember if this, if I like the story, but it's a beautiful movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amber Waves TV movie, 1980 directed by Joseph Sargent. Let's see if I can find the actual date. Yeah. Uh, March 9th, 1980.
2: I thought Amber Waves was before Elvis. So, okay. Oh. Now I know. Well, what's
0: interesting there, though, is that he worked. So Mr. Morgan worked with Kurt Russell in 79 and then again in 80. So the question is, did were you know, did he want you there or, you know, how did that happen? Yeah. How did that
2: happen? That's a great question. That's a great question. Well, what happened
1: was. uh, Part of it was that uh, we'd worked together. And the other part was that. uh, He. I think he was an influence to uh, John Carpenter.
3: Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, because John and I, I'm trying to think, without my credits and looking at him, I don't know which I did first. I think I did, um, I think the first time I worked with uh, John Carpenter was on another film
1: and then, he he picked me to do uh, Elvis, which I was very surprised because he had another cameraman that he was really tight with, and uh, he uh, he picked me, which was to my my surprise and my happiness. It was great.
2: You know, Don Don was the cinematography a cinematographer on one of my favorite horror movies of all time, which was Christine, because I mean Christine is just so badass, and and. That that is such a great villain, and the idea of this devil car and the way it was shot just was so beautiful. And original. A lot about Christine
1: is all the movies I've done. I did Starman with Jeff Bridges, and I did you know I did a, a couple of things that were memorable, but nothing holds up like Christine. Mm. Uh, four years, three or four years ago, uh, about five or six years ago. They came, the guy that owns a Christine that r- runs it around the country and shows it at different places. If they have a, a screening of, of the, the movie, he'll bring the real car that he's got. <clears throat> and um, he uh, he asked me if I would go and and sign uh, CDs in Burbank uh, at a, a bookstore. And I did, and I, I had no idea. And then they they brought the car over to Bob's drive-in and people were just, couldn't get enough of it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: it really uh, so about three years ago, the guy called me and he said, uh, would you be interested in, uh, we're having the 35th anniversary of Christine. Would you be interested in uh, us flying you to New York and being a part of it? And I said absolutely,
3: and so they flew me to New York. The guy that that put it on owned an
1: antique uh, collection of cars, and he had this big building. He owned half of the block in New York that we were in, and he uh, he had a one of the cars, and uh, they had a screening and then they had question and answer, you know, and they had myself and all the actors that they could get, and uh, uh, we, we we had quite a deal, and they said, now Don, we know you're pretty friggin old, but you can't die for uh, at least five years, and I said, why is that? He said, because we're going to have the 40th we got the 35th and we're going to have the 40th and we want you there. So, so that's the reason I'm here. I'm not dying. I was going to die, but I'm not going to. Now. Good job, Don. Thanks, man.
0: Well, then you got to stick around for the 50th, right?
2: Thanks. Yeah. Don, so he, how old are you? Tell Heath how old you are. I'm 90. <laughs>
1: uh, I'll be 91 on February 11th.
0: Wow. I am, I am so grateful that, you're, You're talking great.
2: to me.: <laughs> And I think Don would go out and shoot another movie if he could.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: the opportunity he'd shoot something tomorrow. We
0: you should want- talk about the uh the 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 mentorship. How do we want to talk about it? the um you have you, you had a an alcoholic incident you you had a, a an airplane incident that is recounted in the documentary, and you changed course, and you've never gone back. And you've also been a sponsor to so many people. I want to talk a little bit about that because I know a lot of people have so much respect for you, not just for your work, but as a, as a, as a sponsor, as a, as a man, as a, as a mentor.
1: I do, I do help people with drug, drug problems and alcohol problems. And, you know, I've, I've,
3: I've, I've been around for a while. I've got uh, 56 years of sobriety and, uh, the only reason that I got sober, I'd been to some meetings
1: and and you know, I met people that were sober, and I, I thought, yeah, that's a good way to go, but not for me. i I've got <laughs> so much life that I could
3: give. To him. Anyway, I I just couldn't get it. You know, I'd go to hang around with these people, but nothing nothing clicked for me till
1: Nelson sent me on my very first job. I think it's in the documentary. They sent me on my very first job and I'm in first class in the airplane and I was trying to stay sober for uh, my then ex-wife, now ex-wife actually. Uh, uh, So I was trying to stay sober a little bit to keep her off my back and I wasn't doing a very good job of it, you know. I'd I'd stay sober for a while, and uh, I dabbled in drugs, uh, not a whole lot. I never stuck a needle in my arm. Uh, I would have, but I was afraid to. <laughs> and I, uh, I used to kid my my mother used to have all kinds of pain pills and this kind of pill and that kind of pill. I used to raid her when I was a young kid. I'd raid her uh, uh, her little stash. And uh, I took whatever I could find. I'd probably eaten my doll. <laughs> <laughs> but it calmed me down. I, I really felt that. Uh, <laughs> it helped your cramps. <laughs> didn't help hers. But <laughs> anyway, uh Nelson sent me on my very first job without him. I was to go to uh, back East and meet a New York cameraman and show him how the mount worked. And he was gonna shoot this and I was gonna be the assistant. And I got a hundred dollar per diem. Well, I never seen, I don't think I'd ever seen a hundred dollar bill. And I I had a hundred dollars per diem first class ticket and I'm flying back east and uh, they come by with the little cart and they said, Mr. Morgan, would you care for a drink? I didn't want to hurt their feelings because I'd never been called Mr. Morgan before. You know? <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah. I the wife's way down there and I'm way up here. Who's to know? Yeah. <laughs> right. So I got... A drink and then another A drink and another A drink, (laughs) many as I could pour down. Then when we landed, I went in the bar and got loaded, went upstairs, passed out, puked all over the bed and couldn't make the call on my very first uh, job on my own. And uh, the phone rang and they said, Mr. Morgan, we're sorry we didn't pick you up, but it's raining outside and we can't do the helicopter shot today. Mm-hmm. Huh?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I had uh, the baby. big guy on my corner. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and uh, anyway, they said, "Could you stick around and do it tomorrow? It's supposed to clear up." And I said, "Yeah." So, whoo, close one. And so I did. I did the job the next day, and uh, everybody was happy. Then they flew me down from. Uh, from where I was to uh, somewhere in Florida. And I was supposed to show a rental house how to put them out together and where all the wires went and blah, blah, blah. And the guy said, hey, Don, would you like to go have a few drinks? Totally forgot what just happened. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, got drunk on the second deal that he sent me on. So, uh, I finally got through the the night and the next day I'm going to the airport to get on this beautiful plane, first class ticket home to a job that I may not have anymore because of my behavior. So I came back and he didn't hear about any of it. So uh, I made up my mind that was November 5th, 19... I think it was 1966, does that
2: make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, 66. So I was 69, that's three years, yeah, that's
3: 66, yeah. So um, anyway, I made up my mind, you can't drink on these jobs, you're not
1: gonna You're not gonna last, this guy won't put up with it, because Nelson was, we used to go have a drink with him, and he'd drink two sips out of a beer and go, yeah. now I'm starting to feel
3: it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man uh, <laughs> uh anyway never had a drink since november that's 15, remarkable 66. yeah that's he's been sober three years longer than i've been
2: alive good god <laughs> well done man well
0: done mr morgan do you you've won so many awards for your work do you have a favorite of something that you've done something you've shot
3: well each one's a favorite while i'm doing you know yeah. uh, uh, I think I I did a lot of uh, very personal stuff with Joe Sargent, which
1: never made it to the big screen. It was always movie of the weeks, mm-hmm. and but he always had such depth in the stuff that he did. You know, Miss Evers' Boys and uh. uh we did um lesson before dying lesson before dying
3: and uh we went Remember to waves
0: was in as well
3: yeah we we went and did uh the movie about auschwitz Boy, out of that. the ashes out of the ashes that's it there you go got it yeah um that was really a uh we did that in in uh, Vilnius, and uh, a lot of the guys went from where we were over to uh, over to where the real mm-hmm. uh,
1: ghetto was. But we, uh, I never went. I, I wish I had it
3: now. But uh, Christine Lottie was the star of it. She was magnificent. It's a great movie
0: that yeah, really is do you like working in uh do you prefer film work you know theatrical film work to television work is one more appealing than the other
3: well you know
1: the the sad part about doing television is just the word television turns off certain people and uh I always like jumping back and forth doing a feature. Uh, if I like content, not what, what it was going to be shown on, I like content. If the story was meaningful, you know, I did, I did, uh,
3: I think, 10, nine or 10 movies with Joe Sargent, who was always the best. And, uh, Roger Young, I did
1: 10 or 11 movies with Roger Young. Those were the top notch movie of the week guys. And I just couldn't say no to a really good project. I didn't go, oh, it's gonna be shown on television. I'll be, you know, and there's a lot of people
3: in the ASC, they put me up for Lifetime Achievement Award. And they said uh, the the
1: group said, we can't let him have lifetime achievement award. And they said, why not? They said, he's a television guy. So that they started, so they could give me an award. They wouldn't allow me to get that one, which makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you'd have a body of work that people think is awarding, uh, what difference does it make? But there's always that, Oh, he does television. Yeah. You know, um, and, and oh, he does features. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's blown out of proportion. Yeah. Uh, I did, I just, I wanted to work. And if the project looked like something interesting, I'd do it. And well, I did I never said, no, I can't do it. This is television or whatever. But the award committee, <clears throat> they, they agreed that they wanted to give me some recognition and they gave me, the first career achievement and television award. So I was the first one and they've had, I think that was in uh, 07 or
2: something like that. And
1: they've had one every year now. So it's part of the deal.
2: Well, I do. I mean, and I, I'm sure, you know, this already, Heath, but what I, what I kind of love about the story is that, you know, that, playing field has been completely leveled, right? Meaning Mm -hmm. the pandemic has completely turned that world upside down to a point where some of the best content now is for television. And you know what I mean? So, you know, for so long, like this, this kind of almost, almost weird discrimination about, oh, things on television aren't as good. And yeah, I mean, I understand that going through the seventies and eighties, there was this kind of real sense that, you know, oh, theatrical projects, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's just more glamorous or whatever it is. Well, I mean honestly what I love about Don's philosophy on this is look it's it's all about what's the good story and also I've got to make a living here right mm-hmm. so hey I'm I'm going I'm going to go to jobs that are going to be able to pay me too but what I but what I love is how how in time this has gone completely around and to a, to really to a point where I feel like you know it certainly took the pandemic but now more than ever you know some of the most talented filmmakers and artists that are alive today are working in, in the medium of television and streaming to a point yeah. where I actually find I'm not really going to theaters very much. And most of the friends I know aren't going to theaters very much because there's a sense of like, well, uh, I don't want to deal with the guy down the you know two aisles in front of me who's blowing his nose or the kids up here or being loud when I can just stay home and watch content that is just as good, if not better by in my living room. And here's the other thing. If I have a TV and a sound system big enough I'm not missing that kind of that experience, you know. Everyone's like, "Oh, you want to be able to have that big, huge experience?" Well, I I've got a really big damn TV, yeah. <laughs> and if the filmmaking is good, that's all that really matters to me. So,
0: yeah. Well said.
2: There's still
1: there's still some discrimination. Oh me. yeah. Oh, I believe that. I, uh, I do. I believe it. It, it sounds uh, very
0: political, like the old guard wanting to keep the gates closed.
1: Because I've had I've had cameramen that I admire. Said, Don, why are you still doing TV stuff? I said, because it has good content. Mm-hmm. The stuff that I'm doing, I, I I believe in. You know, I've I've done some TV movies that that never made it to the big screen that ought to have, you know, that it was that out of the ashes mm-hmm. to me was just mind-boggling the stuff that went on in Auschwitz that was that, you know that was real. This stuff this stuff wasn't made up. This is stuff that they knew happened. Babies piled up outside that they aborted and threw
3: in a pile and all that kind of stuff that we showed in that movie. Um but, uh, anyway I I can't change what opinions that people have of TV
1: or Features, but I I just wish that we were smart enough and wise enough that a guy like myself or anybody else could go back and forth and not worry about you know I know guys that that almost lose their homes waiting for a feature to come back okay. and I didn't do that I made good money uh, I got a divorce and gave it all away but <laughs> I, I made it.
0: Well, when people disparage television work, you can just show them your Emmys.
1: That's right. Well said. That's exactly right. The, no Academy Award.
0: <laughs> Dan, is there anything else that you think I should, uh, that we should cover before I start the wind down with you guys?
2: Um, no, I think, I think we've kind of covered just about everything. I, to me I, I the the one thing is um i do i do feel like there's a bit of a uh there is a certain amount of ageism in the in the industry that i i think is unfortunate because i mean and i and and it might be nice to have don tell a story about like um you know working on projects where you know he, they've got guys half his age who are like oh man i'm at the 8th hour i better kind of uh you know yeah. i'm i better call it a day. And, you know, he's on hour 12, 13, 14. And he's like, Hey man, let's just keep going. And yeah. so I, I don't, I just think it might be nice to be able to address that a little
3: bit. I just did a project. Um, there was, I'm not going to name the project cause it's
1: not out. It's not, I don't know if it's ever going to be out or whatever, but two women, one produced it and one directed it. Uh, they had two days that they needed to finish the film. And they had another cameraman that wasn't available. And a friend of mine who was producing it, the two, the, not the whole show, but the two days, he came to me and he said, to? You, you wanna work a couple of days on this film with these two women? And I said, sure, because uh, to me, when they say you want to go to work, it's like getting a an upper. <laughs> you know, I, I'm ready to go. I, I still like doing what I do. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to meet with them. So we met and they said, you know, the cameraman we had just argued about every shot. And uh, they we just had one really miserable time with him. And we don't wanna go through that again. And I said, let me let me clear the air here. You're the boss, I'm the cinematographer. I might make a suggestion. And a lot of times, some pretty big time directors have said, that's a good idea, let's do that. And a lot of them say, no, I wanna do it this way. You're the boss. When you say, no, this is the way we're gonna do it. That's what you're gonna get. So if if I'm able to suggest stuff to you, uh, I'm I'm in. So they hired me, and I did two days, which there was a couple of days of you know getting it together, and so altogether I worked four days with them, and they were so blown away with our relationship that she just hired me again for a, a little thing that she. She won to show for uh, getting another job. So we, we did a little work for her. And she, she said to the producer that knew me, do you think Don would reshoot this if we had a chance to redo the whole thing? And <laughs> he said, uh, I think I can answer for Don. Hell yes. And uh, I would, I would do it. And I don't know that it'll happen or not happen. It it seems like a, a little doubtful that they would reshoot an entire, uh, you know, hour, hour and a half, whatever it was, uh, just to uh, make it look a little better. I I don't think the companies would do that. They would probably put it on the air like it is and doll it up the best they could. But anyway, it was nice to know that they were interested. If 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 it ever went that. Would I be interested?
2: Well, I think that's I think that's just a reflection of the work ethic, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, I mean, there look, it's the creative process, you know, it's very relative. Um, and I know there's all sorts of onset politics at play and production can be really challenging. But again, I think it's the attitude that it's it like John just said, excuse me. Like Don just said, it's you know, there that's that's kind of the the pyramid of production, right? You know, you've got somebody. You've got, you know, obviously the cinematographer is in charge of kind of what is on the screen um, and offering ideas and suggestions. I think that is really key. But, but I think it's also the sense of you know do, doing whatever it takes. You know what I mean? And and I think that kind of that way of doing things, um, you know, I I I don't know. I I think I think it's healthy and I, I think it's really good for productions where people are like, look. I'm just grateful to be earning a paycheck and being creative. I mean, that, that is, I'll check my ego at the door. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I, I think that has a lot to do with, I think that's a through line to Don's work is it's really about it is, it is about the work. It's not necessarily about the ego. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it done. And, and, and the energy that, that Don has to be able to do it. That's the thing that I think blows most people's minds because, you know, I mean, at ninety, you know, it's it is it is pretty it is impressive. But I mean, you know, he's you know he's been on set for you know he's still on set, and so you know I, I think that I don't think I'd have that. I I, I don't my God, I, I don't think I'd have the energy to be able to do that. So I, I the only my, thing
1: they don't like about me uh being in my age is the ambulance bringing me to work every
3: day. <laughs> Damn ambulance! <laughs>
0: the work ethic and the integrity uh really shows through and the documentary is all about what we're talking about here so i want to make sure that people check it out dan where uh, there's this wonderful blu-ray um where else can people check this out
2: well my understanding is most of the streamers you can find it i think you can you can find it on prime you can find it on um, itunes um and uh yeah i think it's on vudu basically all the main streamers i am I'm, I'm almost positive you could just search cinematographer and the name Donald M. Morgan. Um, and it'll it should show up and then you should be able to kind of um, uh, click through to it. Um, but yeah, it's um, uh, I mean, it's I really do think um it's a really uh, it's a good character study of an amazing human being. and and I think the uh, to me, the the other thing is I from a standpoint of the filmmaking side of it, And the stories are, I love the stories, but there there is the sense of the respect of being a filmmaker. And I think film students would really, really appreciate this almost this run and gun style approach to filmmaking, which I think, you know, look, like Don said, he, you know, (laughs) he didn't get involved in cinematography for the art at first. It was because it was almost like being a stuntman. And I think that's, I mean, look, we haven't even talked about it, but used cars. Look at that movie, used cars. Like that, that's an incredible film. And I would imagine you almost must have died three times working on a (laughs) movie. Close. Close. Yeah, but I I do, I would encourage folks to to go and rent it or buy it. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's the story of kind of an amazing man.
0: Well, I guess that's the best place to leave it for now. I'm going to put links in the description of this uh, video so people can just click straight through and find it that way. Highly recommended. Uh, Mr. Morgan, you are a. I'm gonna say it, you're a hero, you're a legend, you're somebody to, to admire and to respect and I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, thank you for your time.
0: Isn't that an amazing conversation? This man is so amazing. There, I, like Words fail me. I'm on a podcast where I have to use my words and my words are failing me. I have so much admiration. Uh, the integrity, you know, here's what it really comes down to. There is a certain kind of, uh, I want to think how I want to say this. There is a certain kind of masculinity that is not about what you can bench press, and it's not about, you know, uh, your clothes or, you know, what you drive or how you, you know, how many women you have. There's a certain kind of masculinity that just comes from like looking someone in the eye. Being able to shake their hands and just feeling a sense of integrity, uh, and I really get that from Mr. Morgan, and I'm so grateful that that Dan Asma was here too because he is the he's heard all the stories and knows so much of the uh, of this of this history. He's been such a close friend with Mr. Morgan for all these years. Who better to tell the story than someone that was personally touched by the life and the impact of this man? So what a thrill! What an honor! Let's continue to to just build up Donald and Morgan and talk about him. Talk about him in the comments of this, you know, if you want to. However, you're engaging with this video, I just want to celebrate. That's what I, I love my my videos, my content, my podcast, whatever they are. I like them to be jumping off points for further exploration. Go dig in to Mr. Morgan's career. You know, he he went from film to television. We talked a little bit about the um, the, the sort of the snobbery that exists in the industry between uh, the theatrical product and the television product but isn't that crazy when there's so much good tv right now and it's as good as if not better than the theatrical product but there's still this oh no that's television that's not you know it's the there's this and we talk about the ageism too so i just think it's more important than ever that we explore the work itself and we talk about it and we carry on the fandom for this stuff uh it's so important because it's well that is you know movies are movies are meant to be uh, enjoyed they're meant to be talked about they're meant to be shared so this was a real privilege for me guys thank you so much for checking this episode out please continue to engage however it is if you're watching this on youtube thumbs ups subscribing uh if you're listening to the podcast subscribing that's really the best thing that you can do if you will leave a review if you're listening this to this on apple you know apple podcast please leave a review uh, please leave a kind review too that would be very nice um Whatever you can do to support this, to support this podcast, it is engagement that gets into the algorithm. You know, nobody really knows how these algorithms work, but what we do know is that they thrive on interaction. So whether someone, you know, if they're commenting, if they're liking something, however you do it, engagement is what supports these things. So uh, thank you for all that you can do, and I really do appreciate it. The documentary is Cinematographer, and uh, please, there's links in the description where you can check this out. It's on the digital, you know, the digital video on demand platforms. And it's out there. You can get a disc version if you want it. And I just, uh, I love it. I'm so glad that I had this opportunity. And I'm glad that you got to experience it with me. I'm, I'm glad this happened. So uh, I'm going to wrap this one up for now. we got so many interesting conversations coming down the road. Thank you so much. Take care. Until next time, I will catch you later.